If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, traders. Welcome to another live trading talk with Oliver Velez. My name is Oliver Velez, of course, and I am your trader for life. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome once again to another live session. I, I do in the future want to do at least one of these every single week. That's what I'm sort of ramping myself up to at some point in the near future. I want to do that with you. I want to be with you live at least once a week. Um, but welcome to today's live session. You know, I, I wanted to just sort of have a, a casual talk with you about some of the things that I personally have learned um, in my quest, in my quest for some measure of success, some measure of wealth in life. And um, I mean, it's been a multi-decade journey for me, but there are these 10 things, right, that I've come up with that have been so incredibly valuable to me um, throughout my personal journey. And I thought we'd just sort of have a, a casual talk about those 10 things. And of course, I labeled it in a very catchy way. These are 10 reasons why you are still poor, all right, or broke or what have you. And I know I don't speak for everyone, and I know many of you aren't broke or poor, but still, 
these are 10 things, in my opinion, that can, I think, have a, a certain value in everyone's life, no matter what level you are or what level you believe you are in your personal journey. I think these 10 things are worth having a discussion. All right. So um, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, I see people from all over the world here, India, Japan, where else guys? Wow, this is crazy. Insane. Now, just so you know, I am, this live session is actually taking place in three different languages. So um, obviously um, English, that's the language I speak, but it's also simultaneously being translated in Spanish and in Portuguese. And so if you happen to speak those languages and would prefer those languages, um, you can certainly just search out my, my pages in each of those languages. And yes, I have a YouTube channel for um, the Spanish language as well as uh, Portuguese. All right. All right, guys. Um, I do feel obligated for the benefit of those who have no idea who I am, I do feel somewhat obligated to give you a very, very brief overview, right, of who's talking to you very quickly. Um, guys, I'm a professional trader. I've been so for almost 40 years now. I uh, placed my first trade in the financial markets in 1981. Um, I had a dream from the age of 15 years old to be nothing more in life but a professional trader. That dream came true in December 6, 1986, my first job on Wall Street as a professional trader. And um, I had a very wonderful eight, almost nine year illustrious career on Wall Street before going out on my own and starting my own Wall Street based firm, if you will. Uh, I founded a company in September of 1994 called Pristine Capital Management. Many people refer to that company today as pristine.com. You might even still see some of the work being done by pristine.com, but that is a company that I formed in my basement apartment in September of 1994 uh, before selling the firm to another Wall Street firm. Um, I'm known as the father of swing trading. Yes, I termed a style of market play called swing trading all the way back in the beginning of the 1990s and became known as the father of swing trading. Um, if you want to do something fun, you can sort of Google Oliver Velez swing trading. And what you'd see is um, a lot of my early work in the in um, my teaching and talking about that very unique style of market play, which has become a household name, I'm, I'm very proud to say now. Swing trading is something that I think most people have heard about. Um, but yes, I did dub a specific style of market play swing trading all the way back in the early 1990s, 1991 or so. Um, Barron's, the venerable Barron's, ranked me number one in America in 1998. Uh, Dow Jones dubbed me the Messiah of trading in 1999, and the industry 
the um, active trading industry selected me to be the keynote speaker two years in a row for their inaugural event. Um, I'm currently um, the mentor for over 10,000 equity and forex and now cryptocurrency traders and I continue to speak for financial organizations globally. In addition to this guys, um, I am the author of five international best-selling books on the topic of trading the markets for a living. Um, those books are written in five different languages and continue to sell um, uh, zillions of copies all over the world to this very day. And I thank you for the support of those of you who actually um, have purchased one or more of my books. Guys, I do strongly encourage that you follow me on social media. Uh, I'm relatively active on a day-to-day -day basis on Instagram and Facebook. Of course, you're here with me live today on one of my three YouTube channels. Uh, Oliver Velez Trading is the English channel. And of course, I have a Spanish language channel and a Portuguese language channel. And there you go. So guys, before um, before we actually get started here, I wanted to I want to talk to you about 10 things that have had a very profound effect. These are 10 very basic things that have had a very profound effect on my life. Um, they have shaped my specific journey and I want to share them with you. All right. I want to talk to you about them. And if I can, I'd like to take some of your questions regarding these as well as we progress one by one. But I'm going to talk about 10 specific things um, that I've learned throughout my journey in life. And um, hopefully, if um, you are not doing or these or you are you're not doing or have not up until this point been connected with any one of these 10 things, I'm hoping that um, they can have a positive effect on your life as well. All right, so let's get to the items here. I can here. Give me a second here, guys. Boom, 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 boom. There we go. All right. Item number one. Ten reasons why you might be poor today. You work for your money. Now, this might hit some individual strange, but one of the things I learned very early in life was in my life was that working on a job was not going to cut it if I wanted to ever become what's considered today to be wealthy. All right. If I wanted to just survive, then a job is okay. Working for money is what you do when you have a job. I realized my dream in December, December 6th of 1986, and I got a job on Wall Street. Now, traders, listen to me. It's very important. My job was to trade the financial markets. Okay? My job was to trade the financial markets. And... I did that after an initial period of almost blowing up. I did that exceedingly well. I was making 
anywhere between fifty and eighty thousand dollars an hour for my firm. Between fifty and eighty thousand dollars in trading profits per hour for my firm at my peak. And my base salary at that time in the mid eighties was $25,000 a year. So think about that. I was making 50 to $80,000 an hour for the firm. My base salary annually was $25,000. Now, listen, in all fairness, I had big bonuses based that was tied to my performance as a trader. So that's not necessarily what I pulled out in total. All right. The number was far north of that, but it didn't come anywhere near the value that I delivered for the firm overall. And it was one of the driving forces behind my ultimate decision after eight and a half years of doing that to actually start my own company, my own firm and to live life on my own terms. But listen to this. Wealthy people do not work for money. Wealthy people have their money work for them. And that's a very, very big difference. The vast majority of people living throughout life today are actually working for their money. They're putting in their, they're giving up their time. They're giving up their energy. They're giving up a portion of their life in exchange for money and wealthy people don't do this. You see, wealthy people want their money actually working for them, whether they're awake and, and preferably even when they're asleep as well. And this is a very, very distinct mental shift that I had to make very early in my life. All right. Um, what's really somewhat sad to me is that our entire financial system, uh, our entire educational system throughout the world is really designed to create employees, to create people that work for someone else. The entire educational system is designed for that. All right. College, universities, all of the work that we do educationally is really specifically designed to teach people how to get a good job. It's designed to teach them to how teach them how to become a good employee as very little education um, uh, being distilled in our children that teaches them how to be independent, that teaches them how to be investors, that teaches them how to be entrepreneurs, that teaches them how to be how to have their money work for them. Most education is designed to teach people how to work for a salary. And I think that's a travesty today. And so if you can make that mental shift, if you haven't done that already, to find ways to have money work for you, that little, that subtle, but very powerful shift in the way you think can make a huge, huge difference in, in your life. Um, your perspective on, on life in general changes when you understand that your purpose, 
that money's purpose is to work for you. You are not to work for money. Okay? So that's item number one. Wealthy people do not, do not work for money. They have money work for themselves. For, for themselves. Okay. Let's go to item number two. Second reason that you might be poor is that you save your money. That's right. We've been taught, I was taught my entire life as a child to save money. But my parents were wrong in this regard. Saving money will not make you wealthy. I was taught that uh, um, to save my pennies, to save my dimes, to save my nickels and my quarters. But this is very, very wrong advice. Wealthy people aren't savers. Wealthy people are investors. There's a difference between saving money. If you, if you were to do a survey across the world of all lower economically disadvantaged people, they understand the concept or they believe in the concept of saving. They may not save, but they believe in the concept of saving. And that right there should be a very, um, that right there should be a sign, right? That if the vast majority, guys, if the vast majority of poor people in the world understand the concept of saving, and believe that they should be saving even if they don't save. That's a sign that is probably wrong, I'm sorry to say. All right? Wealthy people don't save. All right? A penny saved is still a freaking penny. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's still a penny. All right? And we can go into reasons why I don't want to go too deeply into reasons, but we can we can touch upon reasons why saving doesn't work, such as um, the inflation rate. First of all, the financial system is not designed to reward savers today. All right. At some point in the past, perhaps, but today saving is a losing game. Cash today is trash. The financial system has created the scenario where saving is a losing activity because inflation is higher than the rate that you get for saving. There's no reward for saving cash today. None whatsoever. All right. Interest rates are near zero. All right. Maybe you're, you'll earn one one percent while the stated inflation rate, the official inflation rate um, based on the CPI index last reported is running around five to six percent. So you're negative four to five percent saving cash because the inflationary rate is five percent. You're earning one percent. You're negative four percent. But that's the stated inflation rate. I'd say the hurdle rate is more like 15%. And last year, it was 
So money or fiat currency today is being debased at the rate of 15% a year, which means that a dollar becomes virtually zero in 15 years. Think about that. A dollar saved today is worth zero 15 years ago, 15 years from now. So how, if that is true, and it is true, all right? If that is true, then how can saving cash be a winning strategy? No, you've got to make your cash that you earn, your fiat currency that you earn, you've got to make that work for you. You've got to find something to put that cash into that starts to pay you. All right. That's the mindset of wealthy people. The mindset of poor people, I'm afraid, are to save. I'm going to save for my future. But there's no future when your money is being debased at the rate of 15% a year. A dollar goes to zero in 15 years. Think about that. If you're not finding unique places to put, to switch dollars into, that's not losing at the rate of 15% a year. If you're not doing that, you're becoming poorer every single day of your life holding cash. Cash is trash. Don't forget that. So reason number one, you work for your money. No, we don't work for our money. Our money works for us. Okay. That's reason number one. Reason number two, you might still be poor. You're saving money. Now, I will say this. I am not talking about the cash fund for emergencies. I believe that every single person or family needs a, an emergency fund. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the cash you have put aside in the event life throws you a curveball. That's intelligence. That's smart. We all need that emergency fund. I'm just talking about the idea that you're going to save your way to, to a better life. That's not going to happen. You're going to save your way to a better future. You're not going to save your way to a better future. You're not going to save your way to some future better point in life. That cash, that savings is going to go to zero in 15 years. And so we have to find ways of making cash. Yes. Okay. But converting that cash into something that is not melting like a freaking ice cube. Okay. And that's what wealth is about. The game of wealth is simply learning what to convert cash into. That's the whole wealth game. What do I take cash and convert it to? All right. So we don't want to work for money. We don't want that to be the way we try to become wealthy because you'll never become wealthy working for cash. You'll never become wealthy saving the cash that you receive. You have to convert the cash that you receive. Yes, use cash to live your daily life. Buy your milk, buy your eggs, buy your bread, buy your cereal. 
you know, go to the movies, have dinner every now and then. Yes, we use cash for that. But the excess that you don't need to live your daily life should not be saved. All right. It has to be converted to something else because the amount that's saved goes to zero in 15 years. It's a freaking melting ice cube. And the key to wealth is learning what to convert your cash to. That's the whole key. That's the whole game. That's what some people pay um, financial experts for. What do I convert my cash to? Because cash is not the answer. Cash is trash. Don't forget that. All right? All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going, guys. Let's keep going. Let's see here. All right. Let's get you here. Boom. All right. Item number three. You buy things with your money. You work for your money. Then you save your money to ultimately buy something with it. And this is not an activity that's frequently done by wealthy people. Now, I know some people are going to argue with me with this. I know. I know you're going to argue with me. I know some of you are going to argue with me here. You're going to say, Oliver, man, wealthy people buy homes and private jets and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Rolls Royces. No. That is not really what the bulk of wealthy people do. Right? They might lease those things through their business and have it as a deductible expense, but they're not out there buying stuff. They're not out there. This is what is portrayed on Instagram and Facebook and the social media, right? But wealthy people are investing what they have. They're not consumers in a very big way. They might sell you something, right? They might, their whole life is largely dependent on you being a consumer. They are normally the sellers of something, right? They're normally the providers of something. They're not big consumers of the stuff made or produced by others. They're the producers largely. They're the generators of stuff. They want you to be the consumer. All right. And it took me. It took me a while. I, I was fortunate enough, traders, to have success early in my life. All right. Um, uh, I had this goal of, of being wanting to retire before 30, 30 years old. I achieved that goal at the age of 28. All right. It didn't mean that I stopped working. I just lived a very different life from that point onward, but I still had to learn that lesson of not giving my wealth to someone like 
my my parents were not capable of teaching me this all right i loved them to death but they weren't all right they didn't have a tremendous amount of wealth and therefore were not in a position to teach me how to handle wealth once i got it and so i have to sadly admit to you that in the beginning of my years i was a big consumer i had 33 cars some of you remember some of you listening to me today remember those years with me with my 33 cars and my private drivers the private airplane set i did that nonsense but i had to learn the hard way that that is not the way you become wealthy and it's certainly not the way you keep your wealth. I got sick and tired of handing over my precious wealth to people, to other people, to transferring it to other people, giving it to other people every single night. All right. And, um, buying things, I got tired of buying things and I became a minimalist. I became a hat wearing, t-shirt wearing minimalist. Went from 33 cars to, well, I have eight cars now, but I don't drive any of them practically. <laughs> They're mostly for my kids and my family or whatever. But the bottom line is that if you can switch the mindset, if you can be aware that every single time you purchase someone else's stuff, that you are taking a portion of your life and you are giving a portion of your life to someone else. Do you know why it's your life? Because what you have was earned through your time, through your effort, through your energy. We are connected to our money emotionally. Do you know why? Because it is a portion of our lives. We gave up. We sacrificed a portion of our life for these dollars. All right. These dollars that are melting, the moment you receive them, remember they're melting like an ice cube. But we exchanged our time. You put your effort, your energy, you, your intelligence, everything you know, even if you did it working for someone else on a job, you gave up your travel time to get to the job. You gave up your time, your effort, your energy, time away from your family, what you know, your intelligence, your skill, and you put all of that into a piece of work. And in exchange for that portion of your life, you received fiat paper, currency. And then, remember we said this currency is melting by the second. It's getting smaller and smaller. So instead of converting it into something 
that grows bigger and bigger. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You give it away to someone else in exchange for stuff. And this, while every now and then it's okay, but this as a habit will keep you poor. Handing over your life to other people for other people's stuff with their name on it. I stopped wearing other people's names. <laughs> I want my name on it. I don't want to wear someone else's name. Calvin Klein. Who is that guy? Gucci. I never met him. All right. <laughs> so rich people, wealthy people are not in the habit of being consumers. They're always trying to think really in a way how do I appeal to other consumers? They're largely investors. All right. And so I had to learn being careful of whom I give my wealth to. Like I worked for this. I don't want to give it to someone else so flippantly, right? And so, yes, one of the reasons, one of the third reason is you buy stuff with your wealth. And this is not cool. All right. Reason number four. This is something that I learned from my mother, Oliver, she said one day, you have the wrong friends. Now listen, this lesson is probably one of the most important lessons I've learned in my, I'm going to say my short life. Yeah, that's right. My short life. <laughs> 
My mother taught me, traders, that you, if you want to know, this is what my mother taught me, if you want to know where you're going to be in the next five years, look at who you spend the most time with. Did you hear that? That's what my mother taught me. Oliver, if you want to know where you're going to be five years from today, it's very easy, Oliver. Just look at who you spend the most time with. Because, she continued, you can't rise above who you spend the most time with. Did you get that? You can't rise above. It's impossible. You can't rise above who you spend the most time with. So who you spend the most time with is your cap. That's your cap. That's your top. That's as far as you're going to be able to go in life. You want to change your cap? Change your friends. You want to change how far you can go in the next five years? You better raise the level of who you spend the most time with because you can't rise above who you spend the most time with. And if you're the smartest person that you know, if you're the smartest person you hang out with, you really need a new set of friends. If you're the richest person you spend time with, you really need new friends. If you're the most intelligent, if you have the most money, if you have the highest degree of success, you, have, you need a new set of friends. All right? And so you can have I teach my kids this. I pass this lesson from my mother onto my kids. I teach my kids this. You want to have a bright future in the next five years of your life? Raise the level of who you spend the most time with. Change who you spend the most time with. And here's something interesting. They don't even have to be alive. This touches on another point. But your friends that you hang out with don't even have to be alive. You can spend time with them through books. You can go back in history and grab some of the most successful people who ever lived. People that you respect, people who moved life. And spend time with them that way. All right, so there's no excuse. All right, you might obviously live in an environment where it's impossible to change your actual physical people, but you can change who you spend time with through your reading as well. And very powerful. You can't rise above who you spend the most time with, change who you spend the most time with raise the caliber of the people around you and you get sucked to their level all right very powerful very important lesson there all right that's item number four guys this is item number four let's go to item number five here let's see here item number five all right 
You look better than your bank account. You good-looking traders, you beautiful-looking people. It's nothing wrong. <laughs> Guys, there's nothing nothing wrong with uh <laughs> nothing wrong with looking good. Nothing wrong in looking good at all, right? <laughs> but if you look wealthier than you are, your priorities are probably wrong, right? You should actually, I think a better guide is to look less than what you really are. I think that's a better way of being. If you were to, one of the things I learned is that the higher people's status in life, the less concerned they are with trivial things like what, which shoes am I going to put on today, right? I mean, if you really look carefully, you look at people like Steve Jobs, who just basically took the whole, took the whole clothing equation out of his life and just said, listen, I'm just going to wear the same thing every day. I'm going to have 25 of the same pants and 25 of the same turtleneck, black turtleneck sweaters. And I'm just going to not think about it. The dude had too much going on to waste his time worrying about which pair of shoes, which pair of pants, which shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you need to take it that far, but I've just, throughout my life, I learned that the higher the state is, the less concerned that wealthy people had with trivial things. I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, this is before I left my trading firm. Um, I was, I'd become head trader of my desk. There was a, we had a desk of eight traders and um, I'd become the head trader of a specific desk. So I was, in charge of seven other traders, right? And there was eight of us in total. And one day, one of the partners invited me to lunch, all right? And so we went out to lunch and I told him that I was having some difficulty with my new position. I told him that the traders didn't seem to have the greatest degree of respect for me, right? And um, he gave me some, he gave me some um, general advice in terms of how to increase my, increase the odds that the traders start to respect me. But one of the things at that meeting, um, one of the things he pointed out to me was very valuable in that meeting. We were at a place called 21. Club 21 in Manhattan. And he said, Oliver, look at 
that group of people over there. All right. Um, look at their suits. How do they look to you? And I said, well, they look very successful. Um, they all have beautiful watches. They all have very nice suits on. And they're all relatively young. And he says, okay, now look at that group over there. And that was an older group. And I said, yes, those gentlemen over there, they have sweaters on, jeans, nice loafers or what have you. He said, look, Oliver, the people in the suits work for the people in the jeans. And he said that you need to understand that at a certain point in life, you don't have to dress up for someone else. That the station you want to get in life is for others to have to dress up for you. I never forgot that lesson. I never forgot that lesson. Um, very valuable lesson. All right. I'm not saying that it's wrong to not look good and have clean clothes on and, and, and so forth and so on, but you can take, you can take that too far. And it's increasingly becoming obvious that wealthy people don't focus a great deal of effort on looking a certain way. All right, if you look at today's billionaires, they're not overly concerned with how they look. All right, so I think that that's a growing trend. And what you'll find, traders, is that if a person feels that they have to look really, really, really good, they put a great deal of their effort and their life into looking good the odds are they don't they probably don't have a tremendous amount going on in their life behind looking good all right so try to look try not to look better than your bank account that's item number five item number six you're trying to impress the wrong people. I would say that this is very relevant in today's social media driven world. I witness so many people trying to make strangers be okay with them. It's quite odd to me. This sort of ties to you have ties to item number four, where you have the wrong friends. If you have the wrong friends, you're probably also trying to impress the wrong friends as well. And this can be a lifelong trap of trying to impress people that really don't matter. Trying to earn their agreement with what you're doing or what you believe or what you're into, right? The only person that you really need to impress is yourself. And I would say that if you're a parent, try to impress your kids. That can be a slippery slope as well. 
But a lot of people fall for this trap, and I see it every single day on social media, people out there. Um, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Producing things in, with the attempt of trying to impress other people. People that really don't matter at all. If you're in a business, okay, try to impress your clients. That's the right people to impress. If you're a growing child, try to impress your parents. Those are right people. That's, that's, that's not trying to impress the wrong people. That's impressing the right people. We're talking about the era of trying to impress the wrong people, trying to impress your friends, which are likely not to be your friends a few years from now, trying to impress strangers on social media. That doesn't work, right? Pick the right people to try to impress. And this can have a dramatic effect on your life, I believe. Item number seven. You don't read or journal. And this is probably at the core of almost all people who are not, um, it's probably at the core of most people who are not doing much in life, not accomplishing much in life. They don't read. Reading is very inextricably intertwined with intelligence. And reading is also almost like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you become at actually reading. All right. And journaling. Listen, if there's one specific characteristic, I'd say I've personally witnessed amongst every single successful person I've ever encountered in my life. 
if there's one thing, they're all different, but if there's one thing I could say every single one of them did was have a journal or a to-do list. I'm going to put those together, a journal or a to-do list. Not a single person that I have looked up to in my life, not a single one failed in this category. Every single person had a to-do list or a journal, which are kind of one and the same. And I'm fortunate enough to have caught this very early in my life. Um, I've been journaling since the age of 12 years old. Every single day of my life, I journal. And what are some of the things that I journal? Um, if I come across an error or a mistake, I write it down. Something that I need to correct, something I need to eliminate, something I need to improve on, I write it down. There's something magical in the transfer of something from the mind to a physical piece of paper or today your cell phone. It doesn't matter. Something happens in that transfer. Something mystical happens when you move something from the ethereal part of your mind and give it a physical reality. You move it from the ethereal reality to something physical. It's the first step toward the materialization of something. What else do I journal? I journal what I want to get done. That's the to-do list part. I journal what my goals are for the year, for the quarter, for the month, for the week, for the day. I believe that a great practice is just before you go to sleep, write the three things down that you want to get done. Three things you want to get done the next day. What if you made that a lifelong practice just before you go to sleep? You keep this journal of some sort right by your bed. And just before you go to sleep, just three things. What are three things I will get done tomorrow? And by writing that down, you take it from the mind where it can be changed into its first form of physical reality where it can't be changed. And this is a characteristic that I have never seen. I've never run into anyone that I've respected that had huge success that did not do that, that did not write stuff down. And they're all all readers, all of them. You will never, ever come in contact with someone who's accomplished something really big in life who's not a reader. Never, never. That's at the base layer of success. And a lot of them are students of history. That's right. They know the history of whatever they're involved with. I'm, I had this conversation with my traders the other day. 
I was telling them, I said, look, everyone here wants financial success. You want money. But how many of you actually are well read on the topic of money? How many of you have studied money? How many of you know the history of money? Money has a history. Do you know the history of money? You want money, but you don't know the history. You want money, but you haven't read about money. You want money, but you haven't studied money. How? How is it that you're not well read in what you want? How is it that you have not studied anything about what you want? That doesn't even make sense. You should be an expert on what you want. You should be well read on what you want. All right. And most successful people, if not all successful people, are very well read in terms of what they're involved with, what they want. They're very well educated. They're very well read. And they write stuff down. I even take this as far as trading is concerned. I'll tell you a story. Um, back to my first job on Wall Street as a, a, a desk trader. This is before I had my own desk and was, a was in charge of seven other traders. I was part of someone else's desk. And this older gentleman ran the desk that I was assigned to, which meant that he was responsible in part for my performance. And he got an override on my performance. So yes, my gains, a portion of my gains, he got the reward for it, all right? And I used to watch this guy out of the corner of my eye. And, every, and he was a great trader. Every time he placed a trade, I noticed him go into a briefcase, pull out a book, write something down, look at it, close the book, and put the book back in his briefcase. Every trade. So if he did eight trades that day, he did that eight times, went into his briefcase, took out this book, opened it, grabbed the pen, write something down, close the book and put it down. And so I watched this guy do this. When I was new, I watched him do this week after week after week. And I mustered up enough courage to ask him one day at the coffee counter. Um, his name is Scott. Scott? Um, I have a question. I noticed that every single time you place a trade, you write something in a book. And I'm just so curious as to what you're writing. And he was taken back by the question as if I should know what he was writing. And he said, oh, well, Oliver, um, I'm writing down my stop loss. I'm writing down the price where I'm going to exit if the trade doesn't work. And I'm like, you're stop loss, but don't you know where you're going to get out? Don't you know? He says, well, yeah, I know. And I said, but well, why do you write it down if you already know you're going to get out at that price? He said, well, Oliver, look, 
when I have my stop loss here, I can easily change that. But when I write it down, it stares back at me as if it almost dares me to defy it. See, for me, Oliver, when I write it down, it becomes real. If I keep it here, it's not as real. So this is part of my process of being disciplined. Every time I write it down, I never violate it. I never forgot that lesson. From that day onward, I began writing every single thing down regarding my trading. I went as far as writing down my entries, writing down my stop, writing down my target, writing down where I'm going to add, under what circumstances I'm going to add, under what circumstances I'm going to raise my stop from the initial point to a new point. And I began to journal every single one of my trades. I took it further than Scott. I didn't just write down my stop, I wrote down everything. And I became a prolific journaler of my trades. And now that's taking the whole write things down in the trading part of your life. But generally writing things down is something that I've never not seen a successful pe person do. They always have a to-do list on them. They always have a goal list on them. They always know what they're going to be working on today. Most poor people, they allow every day to blend into the next day. So really, in a sense, they live a perpetual Monday. Tuesday is nothing more than another Monday. Wednesday is nothing more than another Monday repeating itself. They just wake up in the morning and just hope that today is somehow different than yesterday without any effort, any change, nothing. They have nothing written down. They have nothing specific that they're going to put their energy into accomplishing today. They're just going to let life happen and hope that that's going to create change for themselves. All right. Read and write stuff down. All right. And if you don't know what to write down, start where I would say start with my suggestion, right before going to bed, write down three things that you will get accomplished the very next day. It will give purpose to your life the next day. It will help you channel all of your energy and effort in a pointed, powerful way instead of just being all over the place. You'll be less movable, more disciplined. Why? Because these three things will direct your life. And so anything that comes up that's not helping you accomplish these three things, you don't allow it 
to enter your life. That's becoming disciplined. That's becoming pointed. And that's the type of focus and activity that's required, in my opinion, to get stuff done in life. All right. All right, let's go. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That was item seven, right? All right. Item eight. You have a poor vocabulary. Now, this ties in with you don't read, right? In a way, but you have a poor vocabulary. Let me share something with you. I can't remember where traders, I can't remember where I read this. I was a voracious reader for two big reasons. I was a voracious reader because one, my mother was an assistant librarian. And so every day after school, I had to immediately go to my mom's job at the library and I had to stay in the library until eight o'clock when the library closed. So from three o'clock to eight o'clock, I did my homework in the library. I waited around in the library. I didn't, I had nothing to do in the library until my mom got off and we went home for five hours. So I just got in a habit of reading. I read every single book in the library. So that was one reason I became a voracious reader. Number two, I'm an only child. And so while my friends would go home and have go home after playing um, and they continue playing with their brothers and sisters, I didn't have that that luxury. And so my brothers and sisters were my books. Right. Anyway, I can't remember where I read this. But. I was nine years old. I remember the age. And I read somewhere that if you increase your vocabulary by one word, one word, your, your worth, your value 
your self-worth, your value increases by $2,500. I was like, what? As a nine-year-old, think about, I was like, are you kidding me? Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get this straight. I become $2,500 wealthier, richer, more valuable with one vocabulary, one additional word worked into my vocabulary. Wow. I began stacking up vocabulary books as a nine-year-old. I began working on increasing my vocabulary. Now, this, wherever I read this, I can't remember where I read it. Wherever I read this actually said that if you work on a job, you will find that your salary will increase by $2,500. Every new word. You want a $10,000 raise? All right. Add four new words into your vocabulary. But they have to be worked into your vocabulary. You can't just know the meaning and not use them. You got to use them. <laughs> and it just put me on this just this path of just attempting at a very young age of increasing my vocabulary. Now, I'm not quite sure if that's absolutely, totally true to the penny. But I will tell you this, that what a well-rounded vocabulary does is make you a communicator. And of all the skills in life, the most valuable one you can have is the ability to communicate. If you ask any major organization, they want their number one skill they're looking for is for you to be able to communicate, to be able to write well, to be able to speak well, to be able to express what you know what use is it to be intelligent and not to be able to, to communicate your intelligence? It's almost like your intelligence is wasted. What if you can't communicate your skill set, you can't communicate who you are, you can't communicate what you believe, you can't communicate your ideas. In today's world, you are relegated to being a nobody. It's the great uh, communicators, really, that have the greatest, that accomplish the greatest things, All right? There are so many stories of great inventors that did not get the credit for their inventions because they were unable to communicate them. And it was the communicator that got the credit. That's happened a lot throughout history. So having, being well-read and having, especially being well-read in what you're interested in, what you're trying to accomplish, all right? Um, and having a powerful vocabulary will set you apart from the vast majority of people on planet Earth. 
because the vast majority, as sad as it is, the vast majority of people on earth are not well-read. They're well-Instagrammed. They're well-Facebooked. They're well-Netflixed. But they're not well-read. All right? And just that puts you in the upper echelon. And my God... If you speak with better than a sixth grade vocabulary, you will be instantly recognized and respected as someone who should be listened to. You will be looked at as someone who's intelligent. You will be placed instantly in the upper echelon of almost all people on planet Earth just because you have a decent vocabulary. Throw some skill behind that cat category. Be skillful at something with a good vocabulary, and my God, the world is yours. The world is yours. A skill and a good vocabulary. That's it. You're done. You're done. Right. That's That's been my experience, at least. All right? So, that was item number eight. Pick up that vocabulary, all right? Item number nine. The ninth reason that a lot of people are poor, they think the stock market is gambling. It is a travesty, traders, it is a travesty that the, our educational system, I mentioned this earlier, fails our children and that it does not teach our children to become or be financially literate. Our children graduate from high school and university financially illiterates they're illiterate they don't even know how to balance a checking account they don't know the difference between saving and investing all right they don't understand the concept of inflation and the debasement of the dollars that they're going to go out in the world and earn they don't understand that they have to make dollars but flip the dollars into something else. They don't understand the concept that in order to get ahead, you have to become a flipper, that you have to flip your dollars into something else that is not going to erode over time. We're not taught that as kids. We're not taught that in the educational system. We're taught to be obedient employees for other people. That's what we're taught to do. That's what the educational system is designed to do, to create an obedient slave in reality, to get a good job. That's what the educational system is designed to do. But it is not designed to teach you to become 
an entrepreneur and or an investor because an investor is an entrepreneur as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. And the best investment you can make is the investment in yourself. The same way I told you a, 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 an, an extra word added to your vocabulary increases your value by $2,500. That's an investment in yourself. Becoming well read is an investment in yourself. Increasing your vocabulary is an investment in yourself. But you've got to become an investor if you ever desire to be wealthy. You have to leave the ranks of those who believe that saving is the way you become wealthy and you have to invest. You have to become an investor. And the stock market has historically been the very one of the very best ways to preserve and potentially grow your earning power, your wealth. Make your dollars, live off of your dollars, but whatever's left should be not saved, should be invested in, the in one of many places, the stock market. And without going over how you do that, because that's beyond the scope of our talk, but if you are not involved in financial markets, you are guaranteed to be left behind financially because cash is trash. All right. Cash is that great giant melting ice cube that you have to flip into something before it completely melts. And as we talked about earlier, money melts to zero in 15 years. It's worth zero, which means that you need $30 in 15 years to buy what $15 used to buy. That's what $15 going to zero means that in 15 years, you will need double to buy what $15 buys today. $15 goes to zero in 15 years. A dollar goes to zero in 15 years, which means that in 15 years, you'll need $2 to buy what a dollar buys today. Do you remember when you were a kid what you could buy for a dollar at the corner candy store? Do you remember, I mean, I know I might be dating myself here, but do you remember what you used to be able to buy with a dollar? I remember when a slice of pizza was 15 cents. I know I'm dating myself. I'm viejito. I know that. But I remember when a slice of pizza was 15 cents. The freaking slice of pizza in Manhattan is like $8 now. What did, did bread and, and, did bread somehow take on cancer-solving properties or something? Did tomato sauce and cheese become miracle ingredients or something in the last 40 years? The heck happened?
15 cents to $8? No, pizza's the same. The bread's the same. If anything, the, the, the production of the ingredients became cheaper to make over the last 40 years. Well, what's happened? No, your dollars melted. That's what happened. Our children aren't taught that your dollars melt on you. They're not taught that in school. They're not taught that you better do something about it. Otherwise, you're going to be, be made poorer and poorer every single year of your life because you'll have to work twice as hard 15 years from now to make the same thing. If you don't become a flipper, you got to make dollars and flip them into something else in order to stay ahead of the game. Otherwise, you'll be like that perpetual hamster that's constantly running and runs faster and makes no progress whatsoever, no matter how fast you run. Our kids aren't taught this, guys. Our kids are not taught this. It's a travesty. The travesty, you know? All right. And last but not least, traders, last but not least, you don't own any Bitcoin. You know I had to put it in there. You know I had to put it in there, guys. I can't give you financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, guys. I'm not. I'm just a trader. All right. That's all I am. I've been trading the financial markets for 40 years. Um, and I will trade until the day I die. But I can't give you financial advice. But if I were allowed to give you some advice, I'd say you got to be involved in Bitcoin. We are in the an era of dematerialization. Do you realize what that is? We're in the era of dematerialization. You don't know what that word means? Look it up. Everything is being dematerialized around us. Look at what happened to the mail. All right. Remember when we used to write letters? You've heard me say this. Lick this, lick the leather, and it yucky glue and put the proper stamps on the letter and we walk it to the mailbox and mail the letter what do we have now mail has been dematerialized it's freaking email now is email bigger than the old way of mailing of course it is are there more emails that go out than actual letters that go out in the actual mail. Of course, it's exponentially bigger. The dematerialized form is always becomes bigger than the material form. Look at what happened to music. Remember when you used to go buy a, an eight? I know I'm dating myself. I had eight track tapes, these fat tapes 
that looked like this. This was one song. It looked just like this, an eight-track tape. Did anybody remember eight-track tapes? Most of you weren't born then, I know. But I used to have an eight-track tape. It was about the size of this. It was a one song. You put this in a big, giant eight-track player. And if you were a music buff, you had like hundreds of these. Then the eight-track went to a cassette tape, which was about the size of this, right? Maybe smaller. Then the cassette tape went to an MP3 file. Remember that? Remember MP3 files? And now what what where where is music? Show show it show me music. It's streamed, right? Demat music has been dematerialized. You can't touch it. You can't feel it anymore. You just stream it. And is there more music streamed? than there ever was on eight track tapes? Absolutely. Exponentially more. More music is streamed than cassette tapes. There's more music streamed in an hour than has ever been put on a cassette tape. The dematerialization of music made music global. The dematerialization of mail gave people the ability to mail and communicate globally. Dematerialization. We're in the era of dematerialization. Do you understand? Look at what happened to movies. Remember VHSs? Remember when you had to take the movie? You went to Blockbuster if you were in America. Remember that? You went to Blockbuster. You rush there on Friday because they only have 25 of the videos of the top video out and you had to get there early. <laughs> you went home with these cassette tapes, right? Remember? And you, 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 you opened it up and you could look at the movie and you put it in a VCH player. The f Show me a movie today. I want to feel it I want to touch it you can't you can't touch a movie you can touch your television screen but that's the television screen you can't touch the movie today there's no movie that you can put in your hands today movies have been dematerialized do you understand is are there more movies today than ever before when there were cassettes VHS's of course the dematerialized form always becomes way bigger so we're in this era where analog is being converted to digital remember the phone the analog phone with the cord on it they used to hang on the wall somebody used to call you'd be like what the who's calling me you grab the phone off the wall and you fought with the cord the cord always got tangled and you have to undo the cord. Remember that? Undo the cord. Hello, mom? Now, what's the phone? What's the value of the analog phone on the wall with the, look it up for me. I want somebody to do that right now. Let's, let, let me do it right now. Let me see. I'm gonna go right now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look up on Amazon, 
right? Let me look up on Amazon what a freaking analog phone is worth today. Let's see. What is an analog phone? We're analog phone for home. Let's do that. What does this thing say? Let's see here. What does it say? The heck does it say here? No, 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 no. Want that? Can I do this? Why is it not letting me do it? There it is. Okay. So look, 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 boom. So forty-one dollars. Look at this. That's the one. This is the one for the wall, right? Oh wow, we're really. Hmm, that's fancy. The wall version is very fancy. Forty-one fifty. If you don't want the wall version, you get this for the the very very affordable price of forty dollars. Now, let's search the digital version. Oh, well, you know. Shoot, an iPhone case is more than that. <laughs> you get the point, guys. You understand what I'm saying. The point is, this digital version is like $1,500. The analog version is $40. My point is, is that the digital version of something is always going to become bigger and more valuable than the non-digital version. We see this in our pictures. Remember when you had to um, buy film at the, at the store and put specific film in your camera? Then you had to go, you took the pictures, then you had to go develop the pictures. Then you put the pictures in albums and you bored people that came over when you pulled out your albums to show people your pictures of your picnics and your, your Christmases. And when your kids were little, you bored the hell out of people when they came over with your albums. What do you do now? Pictures have been dematerialized, right? You've got more pictures on your phone than you ever in your life would have had in albums. The digital version of something is always bigger and more valuable. So what's my point? If everything has been digitized, dematerialized, why not freaking money? Isn't it time for money to be dematerialized? Yes. Bitcoin. Isn't it time for money, one universal item to become globally available to 8 billion people on a cell phone? What's more valuable to you, your photos or your money? Bitcoin. Bitcoin is also property it's not just money and this is what got me guys 
this is what won me over. When I realized this is digital property, for the first time in the human existence, eight billion people can become property owners with a phone. Oh my God. I can buy a beachfront house in Malibu, California, but I can't put it on my back and take it with me to Italy. If I want to move, I can't move that piece of property. But I can move my Bitcoin. My Bitcoin's with me. My property, my digital property is with me at all times. Do you understand how revolutionary this is when you understand it as property? This property has an annualized growth rate of 230% a year. I know that they're not, it doesn't go up every year, but on average it goes up 230% a year. And it's only 12 years old. And it is eating the world. It's the fastest adopted technology ever known to the human race. The internet was adopted, traders. The internet was adopted at the rate of 60% a year. It was the fastest growing technology ever known to mankind. It was adopted in the shortest period of time by virtually every human being on the planet, the internet. Nothing had ever been adopted faster than the internet, which was, by the way, called up a fad all the way up to the year 2000. Internet's a fad, internet's a fad. It's gonna go away one day until Bitcoin came on the scene. The internet was adopted at the rate of 60% a year. Bitcoin is adopted at 120% a year. There's 3 million new Bitcoiners every single week. 3 million a week. Do you understand? This is going to take over the world and it is going to bring fair, property rights to 8 billion people on planet Earth. The first time in the history of the world, it is going to bring back price discovery of all other financial markets. When people start selling stocks that have been going up for the past 12 years without a major collapse, when people start pulling money out of the equity markets, where is it going to go? Cash? That's earning zero? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really? You think so? No, a portion of that's going into Bitcoin. When real estate, which has had the best year in 16 years, when people start to take some money out of the real estate market, where do you think it's going to go? A portion is going to find its way into Bitcoin. All you got to do is wait. Bond markets, bonds are yielding 1%. When these bonds come due, you think they're going to go into new bonds? No. The equity market that's been up 12 years in a row? No, that's already up too much. No, a portion is going to go into Bitcoin. Now, let me just say this. If Bitcoin is the digital version of gold, and it is, in a way, and gold's value is $10 trillion, where should Bitcoin's value at currently $700 billion, where should it, where is it going to go? Is the value... Does did the value of my iPhone go down to the value of the analog version that I showed you on Amazon? No, the digital version is always higher. So if the digital version of gold is Bitcoin, the dematerialization of gold is Bitcoin and gold's current value is 10 trillion then Bitcoin's future value must be exponentially higher than 10 trillion. Because every digital version goes way past the analog version. And so, yes, I believe that we all have a very unique opportunity to plug ourselves into one of the, the fastest growing technology that's ever been created. And I'm willing to bet that this technology will rise in value for the rest of our lives. That's right. Decade after decade after decade. And a lot of people say, well, Oliver, how can that be? How can you say something like that? And isn't Bitcoin down off the high? How can you say it's going to go up forever? How? And I say, well, allow me to retort. <laughs> Vocabulary word. Let me respond. 
how long has Amazon been going up? How long? Amazon's been going up for 42 years. No, I'm sorry. Amazon's been going up for 24 years. 24 years, that's two decades, and it's still going up. Bitcoin's 12 years old. Apple's been going up for 44 years, 42 years. Microsoft's been going up 44 years. The stock market's been going up for how many decades? From 1933? The bond market's been going up for 300 years. Gold has been going up for 6,000 years. 6,000 years gold has been going up in price ever so gradually. Bitcoin's 12 years old. I believe it's gonna go up forever. As long as your it's as long as your life is gonna last, is gonna go up in my opinion. So while I can't give you financial advice, all I can do is tell you what I'm banking on. And I am telling you. I have been banking on Bitcoin from the price of 3,800 and I bank on it every single day. There's not a single day that I do not put something in to Bitcoin. If I don't need it, I invest it there. I make my daily living from the markets. I live off of 10% of that and 90% goes there. All right. That's my bet for the future. And I believe I've got the right bet. All right. And don't let, guys, the price we have to pay, right? The price we pay for having the fastest growing asset in the world, the price we pay. All right, so I want to make sure I've got this right, right? The price we pay is volatility. All right? People get spooked because Bitcoin does that. But it's the price you pay to get this. Do you understand? So everyone focuses on the little, the smallest part of the equation. This is the, the downward is the smallest part. The upward is the biggest part, but everyone focuses on the little part. I don't get that. Bitcoin doesn't crash downward. It crashes upward. It just steps downward. So Okay, Bitcoin has the possibility of declining 70% from the high. But when it has this leg, it goes up 300%, So the up legs are always bigger than the down one. But why is it that everyone focuses on the little piece and not the big pieces that it does? 
You've got to be able to put your big boy pants on if you're going to play play. If you're going to play in the big leagues here with the fastest growing asset ever known to mankind, you're going to have to put your big boy and big girl pants on. You're going to have to stomach these every now and then. And that's the price you pay for these kinds of games. Now, if you can't handle this, then you're going to be stuck with things that do this that go up 6% a year, all right? And you have your little 2 to 3% declines, all right? So these are your declines, and these are this is your gains. But if you want 300 to 1,000% gains, you're gonna have to suffer, deal with, the, with that. So what? Let's use this. Let's go in when these happen so that we prepare ourselves to benefit when this happens. All right? I believe that you will increase your odds of remaining poor if you do not accept this message, guys. And there you have it. These are the 10 things, 10 key reasons, and there's many more actually, but these are the 10 key reasons I believe that people stay poor. Well, what do you think? Let me know. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. What do you think? All right. I hope <laughs> I hope I didn't bore you with this topic. All right. I hope I didn't bore you. Uh, I hope at least a few of the items resonated with you in some form or fashion. And I just wanted to hang out with you a little bit today. All right. Doom, 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 doom. What is going on here? Love you guys to death. I hope you know that. Love you guys to death. Let's see if I can answer a few questions. If you have a few questions, guys. What can I answer for you? Thank you, guys. Thank you all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oliver, VJ is asking a good question here. He says, Oliver, uh, tell us how to deal with boredom during trading. Uh, that's an interesting question. Boredom during trading. Um, 
In a certain way, boredom is actually a good thing. Um, if you want, if you're using trading to be entertained, you're probably going to go broke. <laughs> that correct trading is actually supposed to be boring, boring, because the vast majority of correct trading is doing a big component of correct trading is doing nothing, staying out of the way, not interrupting the trade and also not forcing a trade when there is no trade. Sometimes the best action that you can do is no action. And that's a little boring. So in a way you want to be bored, which means that you're doing the right thing the same way every single time. There's nothing exciting about that. There's nothing exciting about being a robot and doing, being disciplined enough to do the same thing the same way every single time without deviation. That's freaking boring. You want to be bored. But if you do, if you act like an idiot and do random stuff and put on extra risk when you're not supposed to and do the wrong thing, that's a little exciting. Being a bad boy and a bad girl is exciting sometimes. You know what I mean? So um, I, I always tell traders, look, don't look for entertainment in your trading. Look for entertainment after your trading. Be freaking boring. All right. Do the same thing the same way every single time. Now, if you're asking me, Oliver, when I don't see a trade, I'm bored. And sometimes that boredom makes me do stupid things, then we have a problem. All right. But you have to embrace the boredom. You have to 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 look at it as a good thing. But you can't force trades that aren't there. I'm constantly telling traders that you should not be choosing your trades. The best trades choose you. The best trades wave their hand and say, hey, here I am. I'm as clear as day in your face. And if a trade is not shouting like that, it's not your trade. If you got to search for it, it's not your trade. If you got to look for it, it's not your trade. If you got to put effort into finding it, it's not your trade. Your trades should be slapping you in the face. They should step up and say, now it's my turn. And so you should simply be waiting for your trades to choose you. This is the proper way of trading. You should have six to 10 things looking at you. And one of those six to 10 stocks should every now and then step up and say, Oliver, it's my turn. Boom. That's your trade. It must step up and wave its hand and say, my turn. And if you're not trading that way, if you're looking, searching, flipping through things, you're a novice. That's As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not how professionals do. If you think about the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, right? You've got every single specialist in a pit. It's their pit. They don't wander around to other pits. They stay in their pit. And maybe the crowd on the floor is acting at another pit, but they don't move. They know that at, at a specific time, the crowd is going to come to their pit. And they sit and they wait for the crowd to come to their pit. That's what you should be doing. You should be waiting for your trades to come to you, which means that you have to know what your trades are. And once you have three to five trades, trading events, you simply wait for these three to five things to happen to you. You don't search for them. You don't look for them. You wait for them. In fact, trading shouldn't be called trading. It should be called waiting. In fact, I'm going to put a petition out. Let's change the name of trading to waiting. And maybe people will understand what, what's at the core of proper trading better if it was called waiting. What do you do for a living? I wait for a living. You're a waiter? No, I'm not a waiter. I wait. <laughs> All right. Um, yes, and also, yes, miss money is better than lost money at times, at times. Uh, I'm a new trader. Kevin says, I'm a new trader. Investor with Bitcoin being so high now, do you still say put whatever you can put into it? I say, look, you've got to have a four-year horizon with Bitcoin. If you can't give Bitcoin four years, all right, then you should not be involved with it. you got to give it four years. It's never failed anyone who's given it four years. So... As long as you have a minimum four year horizon. Yes. And guys, let me just show you this. Let me show you this if I can. Let me do this. Guys, give me a second. Look at this. This high here in Bitcoin, 64,000, is ultimately going to look little. All right? Now look, look at 
the prior high. The prior high now looks small. This was 20,000. This was the prior high. We broke the prior high, right? And went from 20,000 to 64,000, right? In a short period of time. 20,000. But so now 20,000 looks like a little hill, but look at how it looked before. You see, look at how it looked before. You see? And look at the prior high here. You see? So this is 20,000, but it went from 1,000 to 20,000. And and but at the time it was at 1,000 it looked big. Now 20,000 made the 1,000 look small. Let's go back. Check this out. Okay. 100 to 800. That's an 800% gain. Do you understand? So every high turns out to look small compared. This 3,000 made the 800 look small. You see? This made the 200 look small or whatever. The 3000s look made this one look small. And then everyone focused on the downward draft here. Boom. Then the 20,000 made the 3000 look small. Now the 64,000 made the 20,000 look small, but everyone is now looking at the downward, focused on the, the, the small downward part. They're focused on here, but it's somewhere in the future, the next move will make this one small. And guys, I will tell you, I have owned Amazon, right? I have owned Amazon from $7.50. Look at Amazon's price. Amazon is $3,400 right now. I owned, I've owned this from $7.50. But when I bought into Amazon at $7.50, it had crashed from $85 to 
When it moved back up to $7.50, that's when I bought it. But it crashed. Throughout my throughout my whole holding period from $7.50, Amazon crashed every single year. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully, traders. Every single year of my whole life owning Amazon, it crashed. Its crashes range from 30 to 70%. Every single year of Amazon's entire life, my, my whole life of owning Amazon, I've had to deal with a crash every single year. $7.50 to $3,400. Answer me this. At what point was it smart for me to sell it? It's 3,400 now. At what point from $7.50 all the way to $3,400, at what point would I have been smart to sell it? No point. Despite all of its crashes, it crashed every single year. And it doesn't come close to the gains that Bitcoin delivers. Nothing on, pla on planet Earth comes close. So you've got to be willing to, when you have a valuable asset and you believe you have a valuable asset, the only way to make big money is to hold and you use the collapses to increase your holdings. And that's what I did with, with Amazon. My initial buy is at 750 and I added to Amazon on every single crash for 10 years. All right, I haven't done it in the last eight years or so, but I added on every single collapse. That's how you make big money. Jeff Bezos never sold. Richest man in the world. He never sold. I mean, he's only selling a little bit now. Right? The big money does not come from being shaken out of a good asset. All right. This is not that I'm not talking about trading when it comes to trading. It's a different animal, different from building wealth. Trading is an income producer. I'm talking about how you build wealth with an asset. You use every collapse to add. Another thing I will say is this, guys. The way you judge an asset's power, its value, is you focus on the lows. You do not focus on the highs. This is a mistake made by a lot of people. Check this out. Check this out, guys. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. So check this out. What I'm trying to say is if an asset makes a low like that, here's the low and it goes up here, then it crashes. But the, the next low is higher. Then it's then it's OK. If the next low is higher, then you're fine.
everyone wants you to focus on the wrong part. They want you to focus on this part. The news wants you to focus on that part, but you should be focusing on the bottoms. As long as the bottoms get higher, that's all you worry about. And so your your asset is crashing upward, right? Do you follow what I'm saying? Your asset is crashing upwards. Let me show you. So as long as your lows get higher, right? As long as the lows are higher, you're fine. And you ignore the peaks. You don't focus on the peaks. Do you understand? So as long as your lows are higher from a long-term perspective, you focus here and you ignore these. This is how you hold an asset for wealth. You monitor the lows, all right? All right, guys. Speaking of wealth, let me show you this. I want to show you this. Um, this upcoming uh, July 3rd, all right, Saturday, this is upcoming Saturday, um, I'm holding a free event. I want you all to come. It's how to invest long-term and create generational wealth. We want that kind of wealth that you pass down. You want to leave something to your children, your grandchildren. You want their station in life to be higher just because you lived. And that's what I'm talking about creating, guys. Generational wealth. The wealth that's so big that you will never be able to use it all and that your the your responsibility is to pass what you don't use to the next generation and this is the pattern that we want to create in our lives with our families and so we'll be talking about how to create generational wealth through long-term application long-term investing and this is not to say that trading doesn't have its place, but we use trading to generate the income to invest for generational wealth. You got to know both parts. All right. So I want you all to be there. All right, traders. I love you to death. Thank you all for coming, guys. Um. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for staying until the end. I love you all to death. All right. Enjoy the rest of your um, Sunday. Um, we are back at the trading game tomorrow, guys. All right. Ciao for now. Boom.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 